surefire way we can know in anything, in our Sunday morning worship, in our life groups, in any activity that this church is doing, there's a really simple way, questions that we can ask if it's being successful as a group or in your life individually. Am I growing? Everyone, including me, this includes me. I ask myself this question, okay? Maybe I need to tell myself, you need to preach better, you need to whatever, you, something needs to change. I see, I'm originally... We've been here over three years, but I'm originally from the West Coast. Let me tell you something about churches on the West Coast. There's not as many of them. We're very utilitarian. If it's not working, we break it and start over. It's just the truth. That's what we do. And people out here don't do that as much. And so pastors out here, of which I've met more than 50 in the city already, think that my perspective is a little strange. And it is. But we have a very practical, if it's a shoe factory, our shoes coming out of the factory. Now, Jesus spoke very clearly, not today's subject, but very clearly to this regard about every believer. Is there fruit? Okay? So we are looking for evidence in each of our lives. And if you don't see the evidence in your life, I want you to come talk with me, Rebecca, one of the life group leaders. And let's talk about that and let's find ways that the church can help produce this evidence, this fruit in your life. Am I growing in my intimacy with God? my community with insiders, and my influence with outsiders. Okay? Let's pray and we'll read the scripture. We'll jump in. God, I thank you that you did reveal yourself to us. I thank you that you revealed yourself to us with clarity. And this morning, we ask that you'd help us to understand what it is that you have to say to us, that you would help us to grow, not in a legalistic way, not on a to-do list to try to be like someone else, that there would not be any comparison in the church, but that we would hear your voice gently calling to us and that we would respond to you. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this message is huge, and there's no way that I'm going to get through all of it, but let's at least read the story together. Acts, and I'm going to start in, uh, in chapter 8, in verse 26. Okay? Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I'm reading from the New Living today. If you don't have a Bible, we have some. Sorry, I forgot to mention that earlier. I'm in the middle of the room. Okay, so what's already happened is Jesus ascended. Um, the, The Holy Spirit came down, delivered power. We saw thousands of people come to faith in Christ in Jerusalem. We saw Stephen was murdered. Okay, the church was starting to grow. And then a political persecution started to come against the Christians. And they finally started to obey Jesus' words when he told them to scatter, to go to different places. And Philip was actually the first person to go to a place that was not primarily Jewish. And right earlier in this um, passage, he goes to Samaria, which is primarily people of mixed race. Now, the next thing that we see here is Philip's um, action. Chapter 8, verse 26. As for Philip... An angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down, to the, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candace. Now, Candace was not a proper name. It's a title, kind of like Caesar, okay? Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the from the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? 
The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his own way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Now, influence with outsiders. You notice that in the scriptures, people that were not believers, people that were not religious people wanted to be around Jesus. Did you notice that? Do people who consider themselves far from God, lawbreakers, not believers, want to be around you? I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. Non-believers, people that felt that they were far from God, wanted to be around Jesus, do they want to be around us? Now, one thing I notice about Jesus is that when Jesus interacted with people, and you kind of have to stop, read slowly to, be, to perceive this, but Jesus was attentive. We have different occasions where it talks about him looking them in the eye or touching the leper. He was attentive. He was seeking connection in his attentiveness, and he asked questions. Now, one thing that I find humorous and enjoyable is that the story we have talked about in the past of Jesus with the followers on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, there's some parallels here with Philip's story. I wanted to use Philip's story today because when we're talking about influence with outsiders, it seems kind of unfair to bust out Jesus on you because it's like, he's Jesus, man. Okay, so Philip is not Jesus. He's really an ordinary person up until this point. But he was responding to Jesus, not only Jesus' words, but also Jesus' examples. Think about this. In both cases, the people that they're speaking with are on their way home, leaving Jerusalem. Okay? I'm comparing this story in Acts 8 with Jesus in Luke 24. And in both cases, Jesus and Philip joined them. So there's something to be said for us having a realization that we have influence. This needs way more time than we have today. If you're here today and you believe in Jesus, you're born again. Whether you realize it or not, you carry the presence of God. Because what did he say? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that the same spirit who raised him from the dead will what? Live in you. If God, 
His Spirit is in you. When you walk into a room, you are changing the atmosphere. Now, how much you are aware of God's presence, how much you are sanctified at that moment, that can change. I'm looking at the... Right? That... How much you are, the degree to which you are aware, the degree to much you are hiding the presence of God, that whatever, you still carry the presence of the living God. And when you enter the room, you change the atmosphere. What do people expect when they see you enter the room? There's a, do you know that with every person around that's in your life on a regular basis, you have an expectation based on past behavior? You expect them to be happy. You expect them to be sad. You expect... Right? Like it or not, believe it or not, you change the atmosphere. Now, we have a number of people here in this room, like Rebecca and I, that didn't grow up in Baltimore City. You moved here from somewhere else. And I don't know if you've ever had this life experience, but oftentimes after we move away, you have contact with people that you used to be around on a regular basis, and they realize how much they miss you. And they say things that they never said before. And all of a sudden you may realize that you had an influence with them that you didn't realize you had when you were with them. I humbly submit to you that everyone in this room has more influence with the people that are around you than you realize. You have more of an open door to share your faith then you realize, not because you are special, and you are special, but because you carry the presence of the living God. You carry His presence. So when you are making yourself available, when you are representing, when you're representing, when you're displaying the living God, you are changing the atmosphere. And people are always looking. How do we know about integrity and who you are and what people really smell, what they really kind of get a sense of when they're around you? It's who you are when no one else is around and who you are when things don't go your way. That's integrity. Who you are when no one is around and who you are when things don't go your way. That's how we know how much Jesus is on tap, available, ready for those that are around you. We are always displaying. We are always on display. We are always representing Jesus. People are always aware. This has been true in my own life. I've had many situations like this where after the fact, someone calls me, emails me, Facebooks me. I get the weirdest friend requests sometimes right, from old jobs. And, and then I realize how much influence I really had. We have influence now. Even when other people are kind of pretending that it's not real. So both Jesus and Philip, they joined the person that was on their way leaving Jerusalem, in both cases, when they engaged them, they engaged them with what? With questions. I would that we as believers would make less declarations in the public arena and ask more thoughtful questions. I think we represent Jesus more when we ask questions. Well, they need to know the truth. Yes, but you're not God. They need to know it's right. They need to know that they're in the wrong. Yes, 
but you're not God. And what did Jesus, who is God, do? He engaged with questions. Simple questions. Jesus' question on the road to Emmaus, what are you talking about? Philip's question, what are you reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Engage with questions. You know, I could talk for an hour just about questions. I've done it in the corporate sense, done it in the, in the church sense. Open-ended questions are different than closed questions. Closed questions are yes or no. Open-ended questions are not yes or no. Open-ended questions. Do you know that you could today sit down with your Bible, pen and paper. I'm always giving homework, I know. And you could think about the other people that are in your life and what questions you could ask them. We've had a rough week with the shooting in the Navy Yard and Somali terrorists killing 39 people in the mall in Kenya. Anyone had someone ask them questions this week? Maybe you watched Pastor Rick and Kay Warren on CNN this week talking about their 27-year-old son who was mentally ill, committed suicide last April. You know, Pastor Rick Warren tweeted um, after that interview with Pierce Morgan, out of your greatest pain comes your greatest life message. How we suffer matters. People are always watching. They, they wiped each other's tears. They felt every and still feel every bit of pain of the loss of their son killing himself. And yet God, and Pierce was asking him about their faith and do you question your faith and so on and so forth. And Rick says, his first response is, I have decided that I would rather live with God and not have all my questions answered than to live without God and have all my questions answered. You have influence. Somebody this week was looking at you and how you would respond to shooting at the Navy Yard, how you would respond to getting a promotion, how you would respond to getting demoted. Someone's always watching. Do we engage with questions? Do we have a God perspective? Do we have hope? Do we choose joy? In both situations, Jesus' death and resurrection becomes the topic of conversation. And in both situations, this story from Acts 8, which is hilarious for a lot of reasons we don't have time to talk about today, um, and Jesus on the road to Emmaus, in both situations, Jesus' death and resurrection becomes the topic of conversation, and the person engaging them uses the scripture to describe it. You notice that? Both Jesus and Philip go back to the Bible to explain. But you know that you have to earn the right to have real influence? Influence can be like cotton candy, or it can be strong. You hear what I'm saying? If you want to have real influence, deep, lasting influence with a person, it's earned. It's earned. It takes time. It takes time in relationship. It takes being engaged. It takes you showing up every day. It takes you showing up every day and being who you said you are. Because that's what God did. And when we do that, we earn influence. And when you earn influence and you show 
the other person dignity and respect by asking them questions and then listening and not interrupting them with what you want to say next, but listening to them for real. You're showing them dignity. You're showing them God's sacrificial love. Then you have earned the right to speak the truth. Are you with me? Am I growing in my influence with outsiders? Everyone, even President Obama, is still in a place of growing in influence. Everyone in this room is in a place of growing in influence. Now, you can stall out, quit maturing, go backwards, but every one of us has an opportunity to go forward in God. Your life in God is not just so that you can have the peace of checking the God box and knowing that you go to heaven. God's given you purpose for this life here and now. Yes, this life in this broken world. Yes, this life with your broken body. Yes, this life with broken relationships. God has purpose for you here and now. Right? And it's good. Both of these stories lead to sacred acts, one to a breaking of bread, a sign of sharing communion when the followers recognized that it was Jesus that had walked with them the two miles on the road to Emmaus. And in this story with Philip and the Ethiopian official, it's a water baptism. Both of these conversations led to something sacred and then showing the sense of God's humor, they both vanished. That's just a little crazy, right? A little, little crazy? God has a sense of humor. Inform your face. We carry the presence of God. It's not us. Right? We carry the presence of the living God. And we have a responsibility. We have an opportunity to respond to Jesus says, abide in me. We have an opportunity to choose to be aware of his presence every day. And we have an opportunity to respond and to prepare. To prepare. So let's talk skills. We have, we've got four minutes left. One of the number one reasons that I exist on earth, <laughs> no joke, is to help you learn how to share your story. And I want to. Via text, email, coffee, you know I love coffee. Food, you know I love food. In whatever way, whenever, early in the morning, late at night, one of the number one reasons I exist, and some of you need to take advantage of me more, one of the number one reasons I exist is to help you learn, to give you tools, to put tools in your hand, to help you learn how to share your story. Everyone should be prepared to share your story. What happens if a neighbor, a coworker, a family member turns to you and their response to the shooting at the Navy Yard is it just doesn't make sense. All this suffering, all this tragedy. How can God really exist? Do you really believe that God exists? What is your answer? You don't have to have an answer for every question. I can't, no doctor diagnoses a person they've never seen. I cannot diagnose the shooter. It'd be irresponsible. But I can talk about God. I know God. I know God. Right? You can tell your story. Before Jesus, 
I was ta ta ta. Right? Fill in the blank. Something simple. You don't need to give them gory details, but something concrete. Something that's accessible to them. Something that can make sense to them. Before Jesus, I was miserable. There's a lot of things I can use personally to fill in that blank and say with a lot of conviction. Before Jesus, I was a manipulator. Before Jesus, I was a liar. Before Jesus, I was not good to be around. Before Jesus, I wanted to be in control. Don't look at me like that. I'm your pastor. After Jesus is coming, right? After Jesus, I am no longer a manipulator. After Jesus, I am no longer a liar. After Jesus, I am no longer depressed. After Jesus, I am no longer in need of being in control. Aren't you glad? (laughs) And I'm glad that you are no longer what you were before Jesus. Please take some time today. Sit down. Think about little card. Post it. Draw it on your stinking palm pilot. That palm right there. Remember that part? Get an ink pen. Draw it on your pen. Do a little slash thingy there. Before Jesus, I was this. After Jesus, I am this. Prepare your response. Then learn to share Jesus' story. Jesus tells us his own story. It's in the scripture. Hello? Hello? Study to show yourself approved. God loved us so much that He he gave. Just the very message that real love gives is life-changing in this world. Because the love that this world knows is love lust gets. It takes. Hello? That's not our God. Our God didn't send Jesus to take from you your free time on a Sunday morning? Come on, man. God so loved us that He gave. Learn how to tell Jesus' story. I would really, really encourage you strongly, strongly. How many other ways can I say this? This week, look around. Find someone else in this room. Get on the phone with them. Chat. Do something. But get face-to-face and take two minutes to share who you are before and after Jesus, and Jesus' story. They're going to love you no matter how good you do. Are you with me? How many of you are willing to actually do this, not just nod? Are you willing to do this? You can call me, it's okay. I won't laugh. All right? I love you. Right? Okay. We can do this. Your spouse might not be the best person. Okay? Get on the phone with somebody who may be less intimidating. Rebecca's smarter than me. Everyone knows this. So when I want to try something new, you get a hold of somebody else. Right? Get a hold of somebody in the church and try two minutes. Share your story and share Jesus' story. I think that if we can follow this pattern that we see in Philip in Acts 8 and Jesus in Luke 24... And ask ourselves some good, hard questions. I think we can really grow in our influence with outsiders. Does that sound good? Let's stand and pray to close this morning.